Hello and welcome to the More Confidence with Luna Gaia podcast. I am your host, Lenaria Gaia, and here we talk all things body image, self-esteem, your thinking in your mind, how do you connect true to you in every part of who you are. I want you to know that all of you is welcome, so sit back and relax and listen to today's episode. Sending you love. Hello and welcome to episode 128 of the More Confidence with Luna Guy podcast. So good to have you here. Thank you for being here. If you're listening wherever you are around the world, if you are watching via my YouTube channel, whatever platform you are reaching us today, I have got a doozy of an episode for you. And I feel like it's one of those episodes where I need to call it a rant episode. (laughs) It's a rant episode because I have got some shit to say about the way we are in relationship with ourselves. Like why, when we are the very person, we are the very person that we are stuck with 24-7, 365 for our entire life, why on earth would we continue to be at war with ourselves? Ponder that for yourself. Take a moment right now to think to yourself. You have to be with you forever. You hear every thought You experience every emotion. You're there for every single experience. And you're at war with you. And look, I know that you might be sitting there going, yeah, but I don't know how to not be at war with me. We'll get to that in a moment. But first and and foremost, just think to yourself how absurd that is. I wish that somebody would have told me how absurd it was when I hated myself constantly at war with myself, at war with my body, at war with my thoughts, at war with my emotions, at war with me. I hated who I was, what I looked like. I hated it all. And yet I'm the very person that I need to spend the most time with. Imagine just for a moment that you are a prisoner in a cell. You are a prisoner in a cell and you will never get out of that cell until you die right? You are stuck in that prison. You don't leave it. It doesn't change. And there is somebody in that cell with you. And you cannot stand them. You hate them. You reject them. Every time they talk, they despise you, even though maybe sometimes you feel okay about them. For the most part, they annoy you. You don't like them. You're disappointed in them. You judge and criticize them constantly. And as a result, they're pretty shitty to you as well. Maybe sometimes there's physical violence that goes on. Certainly maybe there's uh, other ways to, to harm one another within that, within that cell. Imagine that. You're in the cell for the rest of your life. And you are at war with the person in the cell. You've got the rest of your life. That could be depending on how old you are, 10, 20, 30, 50, 70 years away. For 70 years, for 50 years, you're going to stay at war with your cellmate? Isn't it worthwhile trying to figure out how you could make it work? Isn't it worthwhile being able to meet that other person and go, you know what, we don't always agree. But maybe if we started pulling from the same string from time to time, life would be better in here. It's exactly the same thing. You can't get away from you. 
You can't divorce you. You can't separate from you. You can try. And boy, do we try. Oh my God, do we try. I don't know what your favorite way to try to avoid yourself is. Some of mine over my lifetime have included, well, I suppose it really started with eating. Eating was a huge part of that. I would eat my way so I didn't have to feel my feelings so I could avoid how I was feeling. And of course that led to then me being, you know, relatively overweight most of my life. So then dieting replaced that for a period of time, trying to lose weight, running my running away from myself, dieting and exercising that eventually turned into an eating disorder. Alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, keeping busy, gossiping, any form of numbing that I could possibly get my hands on throughout my teens, my 20s and my early 30s was like, bring it on. And these days it becomes even, you know, different for people. Now we have social media. We can scroll to ignore. We can watch an endless supply of television and movies on demand. I'm a kid of the 80s. We didn't have that kind of shit growing up. <laughs> Not even the internet. So you can just scroll the internet for, for, for infinity. At some point you got bored and had to face yourself. But maybe I just went into books. Went into socializing, talking to people, have another bong, have another durry. For those of you who aren't from Australia, a durry is a cigarette. It is a colloquial term, a slang term for the word cigarette. I presume bong is the same across the board. If we do have any underages here, you know, drugs are only going to lead you to less happiness, even if they feel happy in the moment, just so you know. You know, at some point it was, it was illicit drugs. And these days, yeah, people scroll. We scroll to numb. We keep busy to numb. You gossip. Maybe you shop. Maybe you just can't stop watching Netflix or Married at First Sight. All in the avoidance of ourselves. Also, we don't have to listen to the voices in our head. Also, we don't have to face the emotions that are in our body. Also, we can avoid the other prisoner that's in the cell. Good luck. I mean, think about how how's that working out for you? I certainly know how that worked out for me. It just made me more miserable. I had this experience living in that cell with someone that I just did not like. And it limited me from doing everything. Everything. Look, you can still live a reasonable life. You can still go ahead and, and make friends and have experiences when you're in that kind of state. You can do stuff. There's no doubt about that. How many people do you know who look like or do we hear of, certainly across the media, that we hear of people who seem to have an amazing life and they are suffering deeply of depression and have poor mental health to the point of maybe suicide? so unhappy on the inside because it doesn't matter how happy you get on the outside <laughs> it's not lasting it's not something that sticks through it's not something that will keep you sustainably happy for the rest of your life but building relationship with yourself does because if you become besties with that prisoner in the cell if you become like 
good friends, partners, teammates, if you learn to trust one another within that cell, then the cell doesn't feel quite so small anymore. It doesn't feel quite so constrictive, does it? Because how often do you have warring kind of conversations with yourself? Conflict. My coach trainer would uh, told me, taught me that in the fully functioning human being, we have up to about 15 different personalities, right? So we're not talking multiple personality disorder here. We're not talking any kind of mental illness. We're just talking in the fully functioning, you know, neuro typical kind of brain structure that we have voices in our head. And those voices in our head can be our worst enemies. They can be our biggest cheerleaders. They can be critical and judgmental. They can be supportive and kind. And I'm taking a guess in the dark here, maybe in the light, that the voices in your head are quite unkind. That they're not quite loving towards you. If you're anything like me and how it was for me, the voices in my head were cruel, mean, horrible, destructive, and asked me to do things to myself that I agreed with, but were not good for me. As I said, self-harm, drugs, alcohol, promiscuous sex, shopping, whatever it happened to be. Shopping was never my favourite one, and that's mainly because I, I've always lived in a bigger body and the shopping experience for me, certainly 20 years ago, even earlier than that, 20, 25 years ago was pretty darn awful because a lot of clothing in just everyday stores didn't even go beyond a 12. If you were lucky, you'd found a 14. Very rarely. I didn't go into a jean store, nor did I own a pair of jeans until I was about 16 when I lost weight too, because a lot of the stores didn't go up to a 16 or an 18, which is what I was. There was no walking into Kmart or Big W, Australia's, you know, big kind of low-cost chains. There was no going into those stores and pulling out a size 16, 18, 20. I now see 22s and 24s in Kmart. That was no such thing when I was in those age groups. And I'm sure that you can relate to that if you've lived in a bigger body. It was pretty rubbish. So I didn't like shopping, but I did everything else under the sun. <laughs> and all it did was lead me further away from me. The voice in my head continued to be cruel. I continued to believe it, whatever it said to me. And I continued to get more and more miserable. Which is exactly what we'll do if we don't change this relationship that we have with ourselves. You're stuck with you, my sisters, my brothers. You are stuck with you. There's that famous quote, wherever you go, there you are. You can run away from your problems as much as you freaking well want. And whenever you get there, ding, there you are. Damn it. You can't divorce. You can't separate. You can't leave. You're stuck. And I don't even know what happens when you die. But statistically, for women, you've got 83 years stuck with yourself. For men, you've got about 81, 79-ish, that kind of vibe. So how old are you now? I'm almost 40. So just say I live until I'm 83. 
got 44 freaking years left on the planet. I haven't even reached halfway statistically yet. Even if you have only got 10 years or five years statistically, maybe you're a 90-year-old killing it right now, seven years past that date, and you're still improving yourself. I know I sure will be. That's why you listen to this podcast. Irrelevant of how long you've got left, you're stuck with you. Irrelevant of where you go, you're stuck with you. Irrelevant of the, if the relationship is good, bad, ugly, amazing, incredible, horrible, you are stuck with you. So we've got to do something about it and properly, like commit to it. I see a lot of people talk about self-love. I see a lot of people go, yeah, it's really lovely. And they'll, they'll have quote cards and they'll have bubble baths and they talk about the fact that they need to love themselves more. But are they actually working on that relationship? Are you actually showing up to the relationship that is the single most important one you're ever going to have in your entire existence? Are you actually showing up to that daily? Are you actually doing what's required? Are you working with coaches or therapists, if that's what your, your vibe is? Are you reading? Are you journaling? Are you rewiring the relationship that you have with you? And look, maybe some of you, this is the first time you've ever listened to my podcast. Maybe this is your first introduction to self-love. And if it is, welcome. <laughs> welcome. And this might be a bit of a slap in the face. It's one of the, it's one of the rant episode. So enjoy this. But I hope it does give you everybody a wake up call. I hope it gives everybody a slap on the wrist because, or a slap on the bum, a slap in the face, please. I hope that it wakes everybody up to realize that if you are not working on the relationship with yourself, it is getting worse. And no, it's not maintaining. Everything in our world, in this earth plane, if you look around, it's either green and growing or it's ripe and rotting. It's either expanding or it's contracting. Things don't stay the same. Nothing does. The tide doesn't. Nature doesn't. Their animals grow and expand and die. Trees do, plants do. Even if it looks like it's taking a long time, there is growth or decay. We don't have maintenance from that perspective. And it doesn't mean that we have to be like harshly growing at every single moment of every day. No, but it does mean that we need to be cultivating a relationship with ourselves. Daily, yes. Because a relationship with yourself is happening daily, isn't it? Don't you wake up in the morning and there's a stream of thoughts that come into your mind? You look in the mirror, there's a stream of thoughts that come into your mind. You go into work, there's a stream of thoughts that are coming into your mind at the gym, while you're eating dinner, while you're having sex, while you're parenting, while you're talking to other people. There's a stream of narrative that is going on for you through your thoughts or even just through your feelings. You feel good, you feel sad, you feel happy, you feel elated, you feel connected, you feel depressed, you feel anxious, you feel vulnerable, you feel rejected, you feel fearful. Those two things are the soundtrack of our lives. And if those thoughts and emotions are making us feel like shit on a regular basis, 
Good luck getting happy. If that relationship with that prisoner in the cell doesn't get better, it's decaying. It's getting worse as time goes on. So I encourage you, I implore you, please, just for the sake of you, you don't even have to do it for anybody else. It's not for the sake of like, it's your mission here in the world to, to serve the world by falling in love with yourself. What else are you doing for the next 50 years? Really, honestly, because you're stuck with you. If you're not feeling a little bit like either, yeah, she's right, I need to, or a little bit like, oh, fuck. Then I want you to think again. You are stuck with you forever. You never get to get away from those things unless you do it destructively, in which case, even if you do do it destructively through drugs and alcohol and scrolling and numbing and avoidance, even when you do do those things, it gets worse, right? I gave up drinking. I like binge drinking. I gave up binge drinking. I still I drink occasionally now and sometimes I'll still get drunk um, when, when it feels me. When I say sometimes I'm talking like maybe two or three times a year. That's the kind of vibe. When I feel like it, I will go and I will enjoy the crap out of it, but I never use it as a numbing tool anymore. And I stopped using it as a numbing tool and binge drinking and doing it for social reasons and and wanting to fit in and to overcome my insecurities when I was 24. So 24, I was like, I was living overseas and I thought to myself, I don't know what it's like to live sober. I'd been drinking, binge drinking every weekend since I was 14. So I was 10 years by that point. I had no concept of what it was like to be in social situations, like in the evenings or dancing or even actually having physical relationships with people. I had no idea what that was like sober. And so I set about being sober. And what I learned through the process of getting sober was that there was a lot of parts of me that I didn't want to face. Lots. I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like what was there. Now I could keep drinking. That's an easy solution, right? I'm just going to keep drinking. Okay, well, I don't like what's there. I'm just going to keep drinking. Which is what used to happen. Is one of the one of the kind of the catalyst reasons, one of the biggest reasons why I stopped drinking was not for health, not for physical health, not because I wanted to lose weight, not because I was worried about the money or what the alcohol was doing to me but because I would be depressed for days afterwards, even in my early 20s. Just I'd gone out drinking Friday and Saturday night, which was pretty common. Earlier than that, it was Thursday, Friday and Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, usually four nights in a row, just go on benders. But just say it was just Saturday, right? It would take me to Wednesday. Wednesday, four days later, in order to start feeling like my head was clear again. Because I always say when it comes to dr drugs and alcohol, you're borrowing tomorrow's happiness. If you've only got like five teaspoons of happiness for tomorrow and you want to get drunk or take drugs tonight, you're going to you're gonna take tomorrow's happiness. You're going to take those five spoons. Maybe you're only taking four of them. You can't really decide. Depends on how smashed you get. So the next day I'm worse. And what I discovered was I was borrowing from my next week's happiness. And when I'm that much in happiness debt, 
It was very hard to get out of it because I was stuck in it, right? I was stuck feeling like I have to keep chasing it because whenever I would then get sober, I'm now depressed because I'm borrowing tomorrow's happiness. I'm depressed and I hate myself even more. What did I do last night? What behaviors did I do? What did I say? Who did I sleep with? What was what what shenanigans did I get up to that I wasn't proud of? Couple that with the fact that I'd borrowed tomorrow's happiness. I'm like under, under, under base level and feeling like crap about myself for days. I wanted to be happier. Don't you? Don't you want to feel better on a regular basis? Don't you want to be able to move past these negative self-talk self that you have and have the better relationship? Yeah, so I stopped drinking. And I faced parts of myself that usually what I would do is just drink them down. Drink them down, smoke them down, you know, like fool around them down. Whatever I could to avoid. Just stay busy, stay stay avoidant, stay numb. And so when I was sober, I had to like face parts of me that I wasn't too pleased to face. Actually turning around and looking at the other prisoner in the cell rather than just ignoring it, because that's what I was doing for a long time. I just ignored it. And that voice would yell and scream at me trying to get my attention. And really, we pay more attention to someone saying, I freaking hate you, than we do when someone gets, says, you're doing okay. We see that in the news all the time, like fear cells, right? And our brain knows that as well. So when we are ignoring our thoughts, when we are blocking them away, thinking that we're doing the right thing, no, I'm just going to positive think my way around this. We're ignoring that part of us that wants our attention. And all that happens, it's like a, 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 a two-year-old chucking a tantrum. That two-year-old, that voice inside our head is just going to get louder. And it's going to try everything to get your attention. Yell and scream and fight and kick and spit bad words at you to try to get your attention. So when you are ready, actually, I'm, I take that back. When you know that you have to do something about this, when you know that the relationship with yourself currently sucks and that's impacting every part of your life, because it will, your career, your work, your health, your relationships, your mental health, your finances, your relationship with your children and your family, your friendships, everything will be affected because you're there. You're there in all of those things. And so if you're constantly holding yourself back, if you're constantly like having to numb and ignore those voices in your head, then everything will come to a head eventually. And it's impacting every single moment of every single day that you exist in. If you are not hearing how important a relationship with yourself is, I don't know what else to tell you. You will be, remain a prisoner of your own mind until you decide to free yourself. And the only way that you free yourself is by turning around and facing yourself. To look in the damn mirror. Mirrors probably lots of different parts of yourself that you're ignoring. I know I certainly was because I wasn't just afraid of my darkness. I was also afraid of my light. Also afraid of shining because I was insecure about that. You know, a, a friend of mine, I lost weight for the first time when I was 16, 20 kilos odd. Everyone's like, Ooh, ah, amazing. 
my friend, my best friend at the time developed anorexia as a result of that, that I later found out because for her, the only thing she quote had over me was the fact that she was skinny. I was in drama. I had a, you know, like the personality that I have extroverted kind of, you know, beaming. I was lit up, but I was fat. So she saw that, that, that what she had over me, I don't know why she had to have something over me. It was her insecurities, but I was always in the spotlight and she was always in my shadow. And when I lost weight, it was the only thing that she didn't have over me. So she stopped eating. So you can imagine what kind of shadow that created within myself. Oh, if I shine, I hurt people. Yeah. So that part of the shadow part of me, I didn't want to face either. I didn't want to face the fact that I was a a bright shining star. I'm sure you've had moments like this too, where people pull you down for being big. Super common. So how do we, how do we start cultivating this relationship with that within ourselves so that that prisoner situation becomes our roommate, becomes our housemate, becomes our husband or wife, becomes our deepest companion, our cheerleader, but also someone to hold us accountable. Because I often see in in this kind of world of self-love of, you know, you have to speak kindly to yourself, yeah, and, and be gentle, and you do, you do. And there is a balance of you need to also hold yourself accountable. But for years, I was very good at beating myself up. Very good at beating myself up. But I wasn't very good at loving myself. And accountability isn't beating yourself up when you, quote, fail. Accountability is making sure that you follow through on the things that you know are important to you. So the first way that we even start doing this is by really turning around and facing some of these thoughts. It all starts up here. Everything. I know that it's tempting in a spiritual world to be like, I'm just going to go and meditate my way through this, or I'm just going to go yoga my way through it, or I'm just going to, you know, like go to an ashram or keep doing more courses. And all of those things are wonderful. I recommend them. I recommend learning about your, your body, mind, spirit in lots of different ways. And I meditate daily. Even if it's just for five minutes, by the way, don't think that I sit down and meditate for hours at a time. Even if it's just five minutes, it's me being alone with me, which is important. I do all those things. But if you're not addressing the voices in your head, again, it's just another numbing technique. I'm just going to go to another course because that'll distract me from having to deal with the voices in my head. Nah, not how we roll around here. Not the Lenaria Gaia method. No, you turn and you face. You turn and you witness. Like an old friend. You know, the first thing that that I really want you to do is to start being the witness of your thoughts. The first one here is be the witness of your thoughts. So just paying attention to what is happening up in there rather than you being convinced that everything in there is true, which is not that your thoughts, your thoughts aren't fact. Just so you know, your thoughts are not fact. So just because you believe something doesn't mean it's true, right? So just because it's on repeat in your head doesn't mean it's true. 
Very rarely it is. It's not true up in your head. So witness them. Pay attention. Get fascinated by your thoughts in your head. Like, huh, wow, that was an interesting thought. Even now, I, I will I will have moments after years and years and years of doing this, and I will continue to do it because we're either growing or rotting. And I'll have these moments where I'll I'll hear a thought or think a thought, whatever you want to call it. I'll think a thought and I'll be like, wow, that's a really that was a really dark thought. Well, that was really macabre, or that was wow, that was really interesting. Without judgment. Let it go past me. Notice the thought, but don't invest in it. Don't think that it is fact. So the first thing is to witness, is to witness what is happening here. The second thing is don't let them be in charge. They're not. You don't have to invest in every thought that you have. If you have this thought of like, oh my God, I can't go out today because I'm not wearing makeup. That's not fact and you don't have to believe it and you don't have to action it. You get to choose that. And I might hear you saying, oh, yeah, but it's so overwhelming. Yeah, cool. Can you choose a different thought? Can you acknowledge that the thought has merit? Certainly has power. Start talking to yourself and say, well, whew, just say you could label that insecurity. Hi, insecurity. I know that you're scared right now. I want you to know that we can go on, we can go out without makeup on. Let me show you. Because nobody actually cares. And even if they do care, they're very unlikely to care for longer than half a second. And anybody who cares for longer than half a second, if they do, they're unlikely to say something to you. And if they care for longer than half a second and they do say something to you, can you imagine how horrible it is to be a prisoner in their mind? That they give that much of a shit to tell you about the fact that you're not wearing makeup? Now you can have empathy for them for caring so much about your face. They care that much about your face. Only, in, only because it pertains to how insecure they feel about their own. So first one, observe. Second, don't let them be in charge. And the third one here, when you hear those voices... Treat them like an old friend that needs love. Be kind to those voices. You don't have to let them be in charge in order to be kind to them. In the same way, when your five-year-old comes to you and is like, no, I don't want to wear shoes. You're like, honey, it's a really dangerous, like we're going across the car park. I know that you don't want to wear shoes, but you're going to have to right? No, but I'm, I don't like the shoes and they're uncomfortable and they will give you every excuse under the, under the sun as to why they can't wear shoes. But you know better. They need to wear shoes, right? So you need to start having those conversations with the voice in your head. Treat the voice in your head like a beautiful five-year-old, maybe even a four-year-old or a three-year-old who, who's chucking tantrums all the time. No, I'm scared to go out without makeup on. I know, honey. I know you're scared to go out without makeup on. I want you to know that you're okay. And you're allowed to go. It's, you know, we see people all the time without makeup on. You're allowed to go outside without makeup on. Oh, I don't know. I can't. I can't. It's okay, honey. You'll be okay. Come on. If you 
change the relationship. Even even just say when it's criticizing you, because that's easier for fear. But just say when it's being a right asshole, right? Who do you think you are? You're ugly. You are so ugly. You can't go out without any makeup on. You are ugly. You're such a piece of shit that everybody is going to hate you. You can't, you cannot go out without makeup on. You're far too ugly. That might be hitting you in the field somewhere, right? But again, when your kid does not want to go across the road with their shoes on, maybe more for the teenage audiences here, they'll be like, I hate you. You're an awful mother. What do you care anyway? You never look after me. You're never home anyway. They will pull out all the stops to do what they can to make sure that they don't have to do the thing that you want them to. And your mind is exactly the same way. But again, they don't need to be in charge. Your mind is the most immature part of you. So treat it that way. Not condescendingly. Don't be patronizing them, them as in the voices in your head, but with kindness and grace and compassion. Honey, I know that you're scared right now. Oh, but I hate you. You're so ugly. You could say to it, hey, I know that you're scared right now. It's not okay for you to call me names. I want you to know that I love you. Literally to your head. I would say that. I do say things like that to myself. I said that to myself for years. And I continue to, whenever there's doubt, that the biggest, quote, negative self-talk that I come across in my, in, my, in my now brain, many years ago it was these examples that I've been giving you. I'm fat, I'm a piece of shit, I can't, no one loves me, I'm not enough. Um, those kind of beliefs, I'm super unattractive, I'll never be successful. Now the, the beliefs that come through or the thoughts that come through is fear of doubt. There's doubt because I'm moving forward into my business. I'm doing more things. So it's like, can I do it? You probably can't do that. Who do you think you are? Cool. Hi, high insecurity, high doubt. I want you to know that I know that you're scared and I've got you and we're doing it anyway. Off you go. And I go and take the action that I need to take irrelevant of whether or not the voices are telling me, ah, I'm scared. I know you're scared, honey. It's scary. <laughs> I know you're scared. It's scary. Of course you're scared. It's a scary thing. It's reasonable that you're scared. Let's hold hands and do it together. And the more that you do that, you're going to cultivate a really beautiful relationship with yourself. And it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take energy. Like any relationship outside of you, if you just are dating somebody in the beginning, you get married, all this effort is being put in in the dating period and while you're seeing each other, you get married. And then you do nothing to the relationship. You don't work on it. You don't connect. You don't build intimacy or trust. You don't do any of that kind of stuff. The relationship's going to go to shit. And our relationships with, our, with ourselves are the same. We need to cultivate them. We need to work on them. We need to, you know, certainly the beginning days, because you don't have a lot of trust with yourself. Yourself doesn't trust you very much because it's been a dick to you and you've been a dick to it. Self-love is to love yourself. The self that's within you that's having all the na 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 Please don't ever think that you need to, that you'll ever... I'm going to start that again. 
please don't ever think that you need to reject your way to self-love. You can't. You cannot reject your way to wholeness, to peace, to acceptance. The only way to do that is to love. So you need to love all the parts of you that you don't like. In the same way that you like parts, you know, you you love parts of your children. You You love your children no matter what, but you do not like parts of them. You don't like their behavior sometimes. You really don't like their behavior sometimes, but you still love them. It's exactly the same. You can't just reject your way into self-love. It does not work that way. You must welcome all of you and learn to love that. And you do that by cultivating it daily practice, observing your thoughts, number one. Second, not letting them be in charge. And thirdly, be kind to them. Come with compassion. Understand that they're not in charge and they're afraid and they just want reassurance. And redirection. Show them what's okay. Show them that it's not okay for them to speak like that, but do so with love, just like you would when you raise your kids, because I know you're a great mama. If there's a mama out there that you feel like needs to hear this podcast, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's you again and again, make sure you save it. And if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, why don't leave me a review? That would be fantastic. So this podcast can go out to more people And we can cultivate and spread more love and happiness into the world, both for ourselves and for the world at large. If you have any questions or curious about any of my work, my coaching, my courses, my best-selling book, head to www.moreconfidence.com.au or just catch me on the socials. I'm around. I'd love to hear from you. I love getting your messages on social media and telling telling me what my work has done for you. It's a pleasure. I post reels and content every day across all my social media. So if you want to find more about any of that, you can just Google me. Sending you big love. This has been the More Confidence Learner Guide podcast. Hope you find more happiness and get free of that prison, baby. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to the More Confidence with Luna Guy podcast. I hope you feel more confident, more self-assured and ready to go tackle the world's problems and maybe kick ass in some of your dreams. If you haven't already, I would love for you to like and subscribe, follow and maybe leave a review so that other people know how to find this awesome podcast too. If you're wanting to sink your teeth into something even more juicy, my number one best-selling book, Perfectly Imperfect, your complete guide to loving yourself and loving your body is now available on all good bookstore sites, both in print, digital, and I narrated it for Audible as well. If you think the coaching or maybe one of my courses is for you, why not head to www.moreconfidence.com.au and get in touch and see if we can talk. And of course, you can find me all across the social medias. That's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, which is where you're probably listening now, or maybe even here on the podcast platform. Sending you big love and wishing you a beautiful day.